What's up, guys? Lisa here. Just want to let you guys know that rating and reviewing this podcast means the absolute world to me. And to encourage it, I'm reading out weekly reviews. This review comes from World Mother 82. I am new to the podcast community. I'm also a 37-year-old mother, entrepreneur, business owner. I want to say thank you to Lisa and all of the guests. For me, your podcast challenges me, yet also more often than not, I feel like, yes, finally, someone is saying what I've been thinking for so long. Thank you for the raw and thought-provoking conversations on topics that are hard and uncomfortable and for making it real. Thank you for encouraging me to be the hero of my own life. It's something I can share with my 15-year-old warrior princess of a daughter. Once again, thank you and much love, Alice. Well, Alice, thank you so much. That's exactly what the intention of this show is, is that all women of all ages can listen and find empowerment in it. Um, And in fact, not even women, just all people. So thank you so much for that wonderful, wonderful review. The first time I met today's Women of Impact was at a summer party Tom and I were hosting a few years back now. Born in Korea, she came to the US at 19 without speaking a word of English to pursue an undergrad degree in computer science and mathematics. But her life's GPS had a different destination mapped out for her. After discovering she was pregnant, she blacked out. You see, coming from a very traditional family, she was taught that only good virgin girls could get married and live a happy life. Now, a broke single mother, she dropped out of school and found herself washing people's clothes at the laundromat during the day and scrubbing toilets at a janitorial company at night just to get by and support her daughter. Then she came across a local newspaper ad by a fashion computer software company. As an inspiring computer geek and fashion lover, like a moth to a flame, she picked up the phone and made a call that would change her life forever. She somehow convinced the vice president to donate a million dollars worth of software to her. She recruited six students, maxed out her credit cards, and rented out a garage space in Koreatown where she worked 18 hours a day, seven days a week, for 10 years. That was the humble beginnings of the Art Institute. And well, as they say, the rest is history. So please, help me in welcoming the Chancellor and CEO of Fremont College, a higher education system that allows anyone, including poor immigrants or single mums, to have access to the college education. The woman named Woman of the Year by the California Legislature and served on more than 30 charitable and civic boards. Featured in Inc., The New York Times, Forbes, she's a serial entrepreneur, tech educator, fashion designer, philanthropist, and public speaker. The American dream herself, Dr. Sabrina Kay. Wow. Welcome to the show, girl. Thank you, Lisa. My you, you know how to do intros. Oh, <laughs> your story was easy to write, girl. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you very much. Um, so talk to me where I want to start is looking at your story. You have had, it seems like you've had so much resilience. But take me back to when you first come to the States, you're 19 years old, you don't speak a word of English, and you find yourself pregnant. How do you get through that? What were your thoughts, in fact, because of the pressures of your culture must have been extreme? Yeah. Um, I grew up in South Korea where fear is actually embedded in our culture. The fear of not being good enough, fear of not being the best, fear of disappointing your parents, fear of not doing the right thing. That is always in the culture. And I grew up, you know, after the war, um, where it was a third world country. If you go back now, Korea is like New York and steroids. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing country. But 
you know, at that time, it was a very poor third world country. Mm -hmm. We were eating dirts on the street. But our family was not that poor. So upper middle class Korean family is extremely ambitious. And my mother trained me to marry the best guy possible to be a wife mm -hmm. because that's the best career a woman can have in Korea at that time. I was trained to stay virgin, go to great university, either study home economics or something, a great major like English or Korean, so that I can be a great mother mm -hmm. to my children. So that was kind of the belief I had. So your education for you was to then be able to teach your kids? Yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting. Because the stupid moms cannot teach their kids right. to be smart children. So, you know, like women who graduate from really good universities in Korea are very desirable um, as a wife. And also being a virgin was it's a critically important. It's like one of the major ingredients um, to be to be married to yeah. the right guy. And uh, my mother was just so holding on to that belief. Uh, I was not allowed to talk to any boys until I was 18 years old. So when I came to America, I thought, you know, not only I'm going to talk to all the boys, I'm going to talk to American boys. <laughs> you know? So you Ashton Kutcher, Bradley Cooper. <laughs> I mean, those were like, okay, I'm going to talk to those guys. Um, I didn't get to do that because, one, I didn't speak in English, and two, life that we arrived was not the right life that was promised to me or I expected. Mm -hmm. We had no money, and uh, my father, who came to the States about three years before us and was supposed to pave the road, he tried, but he couldn't make anything of it. So he was uh, working as a janitor for a janitorial company, mm -hmm. and we all whole family went and became janitors. That was uh, our first introduction right. to America. Wow. Okay, so you, you're at college. You think you're, you know, getting the degree. You're following the path that your parents have taught you, how or have expected of you, and then you fall pregnant. How do you get through that? And did you have a vision back then of what your life was going to be like? You know, you, you interview all these really powerful, strong women who had a desire and strength and, um, you know, impact in their world. I was not that woman. I was sad and afraid, painfully insecure. And I thought, now... I am, like, people are going to find out I wasn't virgin. Mm. It's publicly humiliating that now I'm pregnant. Um, I've never seen my mom crying so hard. She uh, thought, you know, like, all of her children got just killed. Wow. And, um, and then we got married in one month because she wanted to make sure that no one finds out I was pregnant. I dropped out of college because I didn't want anyone to find out. Mm -hmm. I didn't want, I did not talk to any of my friends because I didn't want them to know. Um, and I didn't want my daughter to be born with a, the original sin of not being married and, mm. and had a potential of being born out of wedlock. I thought also if you get married, everything will be fine. 
because you are supposed to live happily ever after, no matter who you marry.、Mm. And I didn't see anything else, so I thought it would be fine until it wasn't. And I think that strength, the fear,、um, that becomes a strength, is a very interesting thing. You, we hear stories about you outrun the tiger, you like mothers lifting this incredible big bus when they the see kid,、yeah. a child inside.、Yeah. Right? Those are real,、mm. and I think my daughter gave me that strength.、Mm. And I never took a vacation. I didn't know what it was. And 2014, I went to Coachella and saw people drinking, and I'm like. What's happening here?、Mm-hmm. I've never seen this, right? And I, I realize that there is nightclub, and that people go there at、uh, night, you know, after work. I'm like, but I go to sleep <laughs> because I'm done at like two, three in the morning. Let's talk about that evolution then, because you've mentioned a couple of things here that is so. I want to really hammer home because that's what's so impressive, girl, about you, is you weren't given any of this. And so, to look at your story and to say where you've come from, this very strict background and very strict parents, even in your adulthood, you were following quote unquote like a path that was given to you that you should follow, and then you cut to you sitting here talking about it openly on TV. You know, so one that's huge, right? The fact that you were the person that never spoke out in public. Didn't even tell your friends about it, and now you're saying and it lost、publicly. all my friends because of that, right? Because so many people feel lost, feel trapped in a situation. Maybe not the pregnancy like you, but certain situations where they feel trapped. And the whole point of this show is to bring on women like yourself that can show what is possible, and not what's possible if you do. Some magic. It's what is possible as a human being to change your behaviors, to act in a different way, to push through the tough times, to make certain choices in order to be successful and lead the life that you've you've got.、Yeah. So I really want to dig deep on this. So take me through when you're calling up. You're making that first call、um, that started off the Art Institute. What took you from being the person that was like, "I'm just going to be a, a mother taking care of my kid," to "I need to do something for me"? Or was it for you? It was not for me.、Uh, it was just driven by fear that my daughter and I were going to be out on the street.、Mm. Um, I didn't get any child support, and there was like no money in the house. My parents' business was not doing well. And they were willing to take care of my daughter, for me. So we all moved in together、mm-hmm. in one house, and they were my babysitters. So now, not only I am responsible for my daughter, I'm responsible for my parents. Wow. It's it it wasn't like you know when you have no choice. Human beings are very resilient, and we are the smartest animal on earth. Look what we've achieved,、mm-hmm. and I think. What when it fails is when that human decides to fail, and you choose that failure. If you don't choose the failure, you don't quit. It's impossible for human to fail. And I think, you know, my training of being in constant fear, but never was allowed to quit.、Mm. I was never allowed to quit. So for me, how I figured it out is one was hard work. Mm. Just working really, really hard. 
and two is really seeing the advantage of the time. I started Art Institute in March of 1992. Had a six students in a garage space. April 29th, month later, there was LA riot. I'm in the middle of Koreatown. The entire place was burning down and the security guard came and said, you gotta leave. And we had a night class and the security guard was trying to send all the students home. And I said, no, 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 it's not coming here. We, we can't leave. You know, students need to finish their homework. And the security guard said, no, you're gonna have to let them go. And he just kicked everybody out. Mm. And he kicked me out. And then what was really interesting is um, the whole riot became a conflict be between Korean Americans and African Americans. Mm. And I had a producer friend at that time, uh, works at a Korean TV station. I told him, this is ridiculous. This is not about Koreans. It is about socioeconomical injustice that African Americans have felt in, in this country for mm -hmm. a long time. And that producer friend called me and said, can you go and do a little piece for evening news? And I'll, I'll give you a cameraman. And I told him, like, I've never done this before. And he said, let's go and do it because this is your story. Yeah. And this is your opinion, right? So I went, it was pouring down rain, and I went with a cameraman with really horrible footage, and it was a 6 o'clock news. I came back to the studio, and I didn't have time to dub the audio. And he said, the piece is really good, your footage is really good, the story is really good, you're gonna go live. Mm. It was so scary, it was like very first time for me. And when I finished, I had a standing ovation and that little piece actually made me a superstar overnight. Wow, so take me through that fear moment then because I think that this is where a lot of people get trapped, yeah. is that if there's a moment in time I think, in certain people's careers where it's like, and I've heard it from a lot of women, if you face that fear, in that moment, that becomes the turning point. Yeah. And it's like you even said, I had so much fear, but you still did it anyway. Yeah. What is going through your mind in those moments that pushes you to keep going? Because, you know, we've been taught that when a lion's coming after you, you run in the opposite direction, right? That's what the fear is supposed to help survive. But you just push through it through anyway, and it seems like that that was a big thing for you in your career. So fear gives you hypervigilance. Hmm. And that hypervigilance can also go in several different directions. Some people, when they're so fearful, they want to just hide and freeze. But if you use that hypervigilance, that you are becoming a superman, right? So opportunities are everywhere, but finding the right opportunity is very difficult. Being able to choose what's really going to be your super opportunity is very difficult because there are so many opportunities and they're not all equal. When you are fearful, your hypervigilance give you that sharp mind when I saw the opportunity to do the TV work, I saw this is a free marketing. Mm. And I became the spokesperson for, for that very moment. And then after that, 
the TV station gave me my own TV show. I was Oprah Winfrey of Koreatown. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I have actually got a quote of yours about choice because it's, it so resonates with me. Um, every choice at each juncture of our lives connects one dot to the next. Mm. That means one single choice can actually change the entire course of your life's journey. You have a choice. You get to choose your journey and you get to choose your purpose. Make your choices mindfully and purposefully. So talk to me about that. How do you assess choices in these moments? Um, because like you said, opportunity is everywhere. Yeah. And I'm sure the more successful you've become, the more people come to you with opportunities. So how do you make choices when there's so much? When you look at um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, mm -hmm. money is actually you know, at the very, very bottom. And at that time, money was a very important factor for me. So I had to figure out how do I promote the college art institute without actually spending any dollars because I didn't have any money. I already maxed out on my credit card. If I could spend my time and effort to make money, I was willing to do anything. So once I got on the TV show, I, you know, the producer really loved the piece and he said, what would you like to talk about? I said, I want to talk about fashion industry. So I did a whole hour documentary of Korean American fashion industry because I had a fashion school and I tried to connect those dots. And the story was about Korean garment industry, past, present and future. And I talked about this is what we are doing, what we had done. You know, Korean Americans came to this country and wanted to work really hard. Mm. We are very talented, but because we didn't have an opportunity in America, we have almost 50% of the market in downtown Java market. Mm. But these are sweatshops. The future of our industry lies in the computers. And I happen to teach computers. So that documentary became really a very, very well, well received mm. in the entire sector. Then they gave me a regular spot, 20 minute segment at 10 o'clock, um, kind of like a night show, uh, regular Wednesday nights. That show became so successful, the radio stations came and gave me a spot. So I was doing radio shows and TV shows, and then magazines, all the fashion magazines asked me to write columns about what's happening with the fashion trends. So I became the authority, and I never had to spend any money. Okay, so you've busted your ass. You've just in, took the Art Institute to a whole nother level. You sell it. Now you can retire. You can go do whatever you want. At that point, because if you've lived your whole life in like making sure my daughter is safe, providing for my daughter, now you don't have to. How did you process like what your purpose was and what you were going to do for the rest of your life? Entrepreneurs who sell their businesses, especially the first business, and that is more success than beyond your imagination, mm. they're just not prepared. I was massively depressed. There are some people who go in like several years of exotic vacations. Mm -hmm. I wish I knew how to do that. I didn't know how. I didn't drink. So I, I don't know how to drink, so I didn't become an alcoholic. <laughs> I, I never done drugs, so I didn't want to touch that. Mm -hmm. I never slept around because I still wanted to be a virgin. So 
It's I couldn't choose any of the vices that's normally open to most <laughs> people. Choose a vice. Okay. It's, so with all the money now, I didn't have to buy designer clothes because I'm not in the fashion industry anymore. I already was in a comfortable house that I was happy with. I was still living with my parents, <laughs> but one thing that really—it's another fear that got to me—is oh shoot. Now people start writing about me. They're gonna find out I don't have a college degree, and I, my cover is gonna be blown off.、Mm. I was so fearful because I didn't tell anyone that I didn't have a college degree, because I dropped out when it was not cool to drop out. Right. That was really, really a big, big, big shame, and I told my mom, and she goes. You're right. You never had a real job, and you don't have a college degree. How are you gonna live? And like one side of me is like, Mom, I was a cover of Fortune magazine. I don't have to worry about jobs. But you know, my mom still like had the fear、mm. of a poor immigrant. So I'm gonna go back to school. And would you doing that to please your mom, or was it something inside you that was so determined that one day I will get a degree? Like, which which one was it? It wasn't. I was determined. It was more of I want to do it right by、mm. people who know me. Then he's like, I told all the women that they can go back to school, and and no matter、oh, what age,、okay. and with a college degree, they can be fashion designers, or pattern makers. And I've been saying that for ten years. I didn't have a college degree. I was not true to myself, and I was really, really ashamed of that.、Mm. And I get an,、um, I get a.、Um, Handwritten note from the new dean of USC that I read your article. You're very impressive. I'm becoming a dean. I want to get together with you. And he asked me, "What do you want to do?" And what you know, like as soon as you sell your business, it's、mm-hmm. almost like you know, as soon as you get divorced, people ask like, "Who are you dating?" Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you just got divorced? <laughs> As、yeah. soon as you get married, people say, "When are you having children?" It was like、mm-hmm. that. As soon as you sell your company, everyone asks you the next day, "Oh, what are you gonna do?" You're like, uh, uh, "Like you haven't thought about、mm. it." Okay, so you sell the company. Now everyone's pressuring you. What next? What next? Well, what next? How did you then evaluate what you were gonna do next? And at what point do you start digging deep and say, "What does Sabrina want?" That took much longer. But when student is ready, teacher appears in your life.、Mm, I love that. And that's what happened. I think I was ready to go back to school and be a student,、mm. and give me that, you know, college life that I never had. USC accepted me to an EMBA program without the undergrad. It was like their second exception they've ever made、wow. or something. Wow.、Yeah. I was so. I mean. I was just besides myself, and I. Then another fear came to me. Oh God, they're gonna find out how stupid I am because I've never had real college education. And USC, I thought, oh, I'm gonna have this college life. I'm gonna go to the、uh, bars and go to, you know,、mm-hmm. different things, experience. I didn't do any of that because I wanted to graduate with a 4.0. I'm a workhorse. You put me to work. I am not gonna be happy with my B、mm-hmm. in a, in a class where I am capable of getting an A, and that was really staying true to myself.、Mm. So at USC, it was 
it was so awesome. Like being a student, my eyes opened, and it was like I, I'm not a fashion person. I'm a business person. How how important was it for you to have the identity of a business person versus a fashion person? Did it make any difference to you at all? You you are I think very used to interviewing women who are very determined and had a plan. Yeah, I was not that girl. But it's interesting. You don't think you're determined? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you may not have had the plan, but you're like one of the most determined people I've met. I, you just I think I'm very dutiful. Interesting. Talk yeah. to me about and that. And very obedient to, to the universe. Because my mother was a very forceful nature. Mm. She grew up in a very you know, rough environment herself. So her sure. love was very conditional love. Mm. And I was never allowed to disobey so when the situation was a dealt for me, I obey what was in front of me. Mm. So the person who goes up to the Mount Everest is one, the person who is very well prepared. And two, trust that plan and just take one step at a time and never look back up and say, I'm going to be the person conquering the Mount Everest. That's not as important as the next step that you're taking. Mm. And that's more of me. I take, I focus on the next step. So I was doing my homework. And then I think it was like a theme eight towards the graduation. Um, one of my business partner came to me and said, you know, he is starting a, um, a Korean business bank because the Korean American business banks were doing very, very well. And I was like, Okay, I want to do that with you. So I wrote a whole thesis about how the community banks could succeed. And my professor, who was the founder of the USC MBA program, thought it was a great idea. And I started a commercial bank <laughs> together. So when the student is ready, all the teachers start just showing up. Mm. And people are like, how did... The you know, fashion person start mm. a commercial bank. It wasn't because I wanted to be determined or I wanted to be successful or whatever. I was doing what was given to me by the universe. And because of my fear that I was not going to get an A in the class, I became very hypervigilant. Mm. And the hypervigilance made me decide and choose the right thing. Wow, that's incredible. This must have been so much sacrifice. But did you think about that at all? So like you're obviously dating, I assume was out of the window, right? You said you weren't partying, you weren't going out. It was school. And I assume, you know, your daughter and your family. Did you ever sit back and think about what you were sacrificing from a, um, you know, a personal level? If you never feed sugar to a child until she's two years old mm -hmm. and ask her, what about all the sacrifice you went through mm. because you never had a candy? Do you feel you were neglected? She doesn't know. So you didn't, didn't know, know what you were missing? I had no idea yeah. until I went to Coachella. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Which we will get to, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, now take me to Fremont College. When I graduated from USC, I told my professor that, oh my God, I had a, such a great time. I don't want to graduate. He looked at me and he goes, why don't you go and get your PhD? 
and I did. And I already had a business, two businesses that I just started. Right. right? And also, I don't know if it was out of guilt or opportunities. I was already on about 20 charitable boards and I was on city planning commission. So it wasn't like I wasn't doing anything. I was chairing after school all-stars, you know, building homeless shelters in downtown. So it wasn't like... what, What took you to that then? I had more money than I could spend for the rest of my life, mm. and I didn't need that much. Also, I had an incredible mentor, uh, Frank Baxter, who see, he calls himself a nonprofit junkie. Mm. He has done so much for our education in inner cities. And I followed his footsteps, and I jokingly said that step was so big that you know, small Korean girl could not just go to that big step. Mm. And I I think also my weird desire to please and be Mm. obedient, I wanted to be good enough to be his mentee. So I ended up doing more and more and more on the philanthropy side. I was going to say, because you do a lot. Um, Yeah, that's also, you know, not healthy. You know, you become an workaholic Mm -hmm. Um, when you are a alcoholic or a drug addict your friends come and tell you they have intervention you are workaholic people praise you tell you you are a role model and you're an inspiration it's a very 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 lonely disease and you don't even know that was sick so did you come to that realization? Very recently. Yeah. What Very happened? Recently. How did you come to that realization? Um, so let's get to Fremont College. And yeah. I think Fremont College, so the way I started Fremont College, I was sitting in a um, Wharton classroom with, this was an inaugural class. So co-founder of JetBlue, you know, chief learning officer of Microsoft. They were all in the same classroom. Mm-hmm. You know, we had Nigel Payne from BBC flying in, teaching us marketing. Wow. We had our, you know, chef cooking us breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And we were in a pub session until 10 o'clock with our professors. By Wednesday, it felt like I was there for a year. And I called it brain spa because I felt like I, my brain just did 180 on me. It was like I was seeing different things. And one thing that really touched my heart was because I was doing a lot of work with Inner City at that time because of Frank. This is one of the most amazing countries in the world with such broken education and healthcare system. The poor immigrants like me have actually more opportunities because of the education and because of the mentorship than our inner city kids. Hmm. Wow. Our inner city kids don't have the education. They don't have that infrastructure of their mind. They don't have the mentors they can look up to. And I kind of felt like, maybe I don't deserve this, you know, unless I can do something about it. And I told my professors, you know, I knocked off Chanel and made a lot of money. I want to knock off Wharton and make it accessible to our inner city students. 
and it was a breakfast um, table with my two other very good professors that I really admired and loved so much. And I'm like, I gotta do this. I came back and bought a small college called uh, Platt College. It was 57 students. Just changed everything because I just bought it as a shell. I didn't want to do a real startup from scratch yeah. and then made it into Fremont College. And so now I have three businesses and bought Fremont College. These are all startups. Wow. Right? And then I was still on 21 boards at that point of different charities. That's taking workaholic to a whole new level. A whole different level. You don't know what your breakup point is mm. until you get there. Mm. I was always able to do work. Mm. And I can work 24 hours actually without sleeping. And the next day, nobody knows that I never slept. I, that was my superpower. I thought that was like, I can always outwork you. And, and did you take pride in that? I took a lot of pride in that. Mm. Yeah, I was very um, almost arrogant about it because pride comes with a lot of arrogance. And your whole life really, right? Yeah, been I, I was always able to outwork anybody. And if you were being told all these other things that you're not, you know, a very a, a good traditional Korean girl and so all these negative things, I'm sure you're like trying to um, balance or outweigh them by being like the person that can keep going. Yeah. So 2009, I'm commuting from LA to Philadelphia to finish my program. I've had five businesses, brand new businesses. How old do you Korea. roughly at this time? Um, so I'm in my like, 30s. Okay. Um, I have 21 boards that I was serving and a couple of them, I was a chairman of the board. Um, and stock markets start tanking. 2008 and then by 2009 I couldn't take it anymore February 2009 I cashed out and March of 2009 is the lowest of the lowest so really? February 2009 I lost nine figures in half an hour yeah oh Jesus Christ nine figures people do the math on that for a second yeah, yeah. Okay, so in 30 minutes, um, because I couldn't take it, I cracked. I sold that at the bar. But so actually, let me talk me through that. What made you feel like you had cracked? Like, what were you going through? And then because I thought, if I don't have money, I'm gonna be this poor immigrant mm -hmm. again, and I don't want to go back being a janitor. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, your mind goes to catastrophe, mm -hmm. and. But if I cash out everything now, I'm still okay. I'll be fine, right? right? And I'll just put it in a checking account and spend it. I just don't want to invest anymore. Mm. You know, I, I want the cash to stay cash. Right, right, right. And that's the how security. Out. Yeah. And after that happened, I, I think I realized that I need to get hold of my life. Mm. And what did that mean to you, get hold of your life? Um, first, to just breathe a little bit. And I resigned from 14 boards. Wow. Um, and I did just mail merger. I'm resigning and I will, because I still had my charitable foundation, mm. I'm happy to still support financially, but I will not be serving on the board. I thought uh, they would come and cry for me 
Nobody even blinked an eye. They mm. said, oh, thank you for your service. Good luck. How did you feel? What did that mean to um, you? One side of me was like a really, a little bit of sadness, but not a lot, just mm. a little bit of sadness, like a slight dose of sadness, saying that, well, you know, all that work, that, all that hard work didn't mean, matter that much. Right. But the other side is, look at that. <laughs> it's totally cool. That, that you can... Yeah. Hmm. And I, I said, you know, I got to really focus what I meant to do. And I realized that focus was gone because there were just way too many opportunities. Hmm. So I just started focusing on Fremont College and became a great success. How many students? Uh, so Fremont College became um, almost regionally accredited, but we, we end up doing from diploma program all the way to an MBA now. Wow. And um, graduated thousands of students. In 2015, the regulation changed. You know, this country was built on capitalism. It's okay to make money. Money is not evil. Money is very neutral. It's, it can be used for bad yeah, or for good. It's, but money money in is itself. not evil. Money is okay. You can do so good with money. But anything for profit, anything that makes money was like all bad. Mm. And I came to this country with nothing, was a single mom, didn't speak English. I was never prejudiced. That's what makes this country so amazing until... I owned a for-profit college. Mm. I was brushed with this big stroke of a villain. Because it was for profit? Because it was a for-profit. That was really, really hurtful to me. From 2015 to 2017, those three years was the worst three years of my professional career. Because of this and because it came from such a genuine place of wanting to, to help people. To help. And um, my investors and myself, none of us started because this was going to make us a billionaire. Right. You know, we, we really started because we were doing the right thing. Mm. And um, we, we, I still believe that for our students, that was really a spiritual experience to coming to school because their lives and their home was in a, such a difficult place. But when they come to school, they find peace and they see hope. Mm. That's what we wanted to provide. Mm -hmm. We were not allowed to do that. So 2015, we decided to close our LA campus. We had both LA and Orange County campuses, consolidated everything into one campus. Mm. So school shrank down to about half. Wow. And I was literally spitting blood every night. Um, thinking this is going to go bankrupt. But the next day, you have to come back and just became another imposture fraud telling people, we are fine, we're different than all these people, we're going to be great, you know. Mm. But I wasn't sure. How do you do that? So like every day, or like you said, you're spitting blood every night. How do you wipe the blood off and get up the next day and just keep going? I read chapter four of Ben Horowitz's book, Hard Thing About Hard Things. Mm. Such a great book. I think 
you need to find your meditation, and that was my meditation. Mm. And he talks about struggle. You know, you want to fire yourself, but you can't. Right. <laughs> and I really wanted to, like, I, I wanted a job that I could just resign. I couldn't. I mean, it's like that was impossible. Mm. I, I was just crying every day so much that I couldn't even talk to my investors because mm. I was just crying so much. Wow. Yeah. And um, during those 2015 and 16, when I had no hope at all, I found spirituality and mm. just for me to live. I learned how to breathe. Went to a lot of different breath workshops. I went to sound bath. I went to meditation classes, every single meditation retreats that I could because I didn't know how to talk to my staff without crying. And I had to still be the leader. And if I'm weak, I was gonna lose the entire team. I couldn't tell anyone, um, even to my closest friends, because I was ashamed of the situation that I was in. Once everyone tells you that you are a bad person, you doubt. Am I a bad person? You know, you're not sure. But your insecurities actually are your humbleness. Mm. Mm. You know, people who, who, who says like, oh, I don't have any insecurities, they're just not humble enough, right? <laughs> you know? And when people say that, oh, I have no fear, that means they just don't have intuition. Really, mm. you have no fear if a car is coming at you, you're not gonna go you know, around that car? Mm. It, 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 there's always that two side of the coin. Mm -hmm. So my insecurities or the humbleness really came through that I need to take breath. Mm. So, uh, you know, I look at Fremont College, that was my salvation because I would have never learned if I didn't go through the struggle of 2015 to 2017, struggle is where the greatness really is born. Wow. And you don't think you would have done that if you hadn't gone through the lowest points of your life? I don't know. But one thing I do know is when you go through that excruciating pain, you come out like a butterfly. Mm. You know, um, when little chicks get out of the eggshell, their small, soft you know, beaks mm. bleed because they, they're just not ready to crack those eggs. Mm. But on the 21st day, they are actually ready, but it's not for free. Mm. They go through that pain. And I just wanted to give myself a little bit of different parents and raise my inner child to be a really graceful queen instead of the king I became, that I meant, never, never meant to be mm. a king. And I, I somehow followed my path. That was my journey. But I think my feminine and, and masculine were very confused because of the circumstances. Mm. And I meant to be a queen, but I became a king and I was never comfortable in that clothes. God, I love how you have been so open to change and growth 
Um, it is absolutely incredible. And I so freaking admire that and with your story and what you've achieved on how much you're taking each situation, looking at it from every angle and not just going down the path that you know, right? This is this whole new path for you. And the fact that you're not giving up, the fact that you're, you know, very persistent, that's part of your personality anyway, but to really keep exploring to keep an, an assessing where you are, where your mind is at, where your you know spirit, if you will, is at, is so admirable and so beautiful to see. Um, and I think I know what your superpower is. You said it earlier, but um, I just want to ask again: What is your superpower? I always thought my superpower was fear, and until probably right past this moment. But my superpower is a love and grace. Mm. And for me to get there, if you think about the power of a king versus the power of queen, I'm not talking about men and women. I'm not talking about you know, the gender equality and all that stuff. But it's a feminine and masculine. If you look at the power of feminine, Mother Earth, Mother Ocean, all of that, the feminine power of being fluid, mm. having love, grace, and elegance is so much powerful than the masculine that is protective mm. and um, wise and strong and smart. And it has so many amazing qualities, but it's, it doesn't even compare mm. to love. And that superpower is really the greatest superpower in the world. Mm, I love that. Where can people find you and all the incredible things that you're doing? Oh, when you go to Instagram, I'm Dr. Sabrina K, Dr. Sabrina K. And if you DM me, um, I don't respond that well, but I'll do my very best. Oh, yeah. Guys, guys, this woman, like I said at the beginning, I've known for a few years. I freaking adore her. There's so many stories we didn't get a chance to talk to, like the one where she, um, we go to the Hollywood Bowl. She's got this little private area she invites me to. I go to it. She turns around. She's like, look up behind you. And there's this big stadium. And she's like, I was standing right at the back with my daughter on my shoulder so that she could see. And now here I am with this private booth. That just goes to show what this woman's gone through, what she's achieved, and how incredibly humble she is about it all. I freaking adore her. Go check her out. She's just doing incredible things. She's really and truly impacting the world. So go check her out. If you're not following me, follow me at Lisa Billu, and if you're not subscribed, guys, please, please click that subscribe button. If this episode is bringing you any value, appreciate it. And until next time, go be the hero of your own life. Peace out.